Welcome to First Time Lord. I'm Daniel Levine, and as the title of the podcast implies, I am a first-timer going through Doctor Who for the very first time every week, sitting down, watching an episode, and, well, having all of the feelings like this week's episode has given me. So let's just jump to it. Uh, We are talking about Series 4, Episode 13, the end of this series, the finale, the all of the things. Uh, and joining me again from last week... The lovely Ashley Martin. Hello, I'm so excited to be talking about this episode. I just want to jump right into it because it's so amazing. So as always, dear listener, if you have not watched the episode, now is a great time to pause the podcast, go watch it, and come back and join us because, yeah, spoilers everywhere. We're just going to... Spoilers. Everywhere. (laughs) So here we go. Oh my God. Like you said last week that this mm-hmm. would feel like or that uh, Russell T. Davies said that this was like the Infinity War of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. You were not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was half expecting somebody to go, Avengers, assemble. <laughs> I mean, like, right. Like the doctor just be like, team, assemble. And like everybody had a slow-mo walking out of the TARDIS moment. Yeah. Like just, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So many things. So I'm just going to start with questions because the plot of this episode is pretty much the continuation the Dalek are have stolen all of these planets, 24 of them, right? 24, 27. 27. 27, 27 mm-hmm. planets. Uh, and they've had this plan, been hatched all along. They had the crazy Dalek that traveled into the Time War <laughs> and saved uh, Davros. Mm-hmm. I'm getting so close to these names. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... <laughs> Basically, this is it. Like, this is like the biggest threat the Doctor has ever faced. The uh, universes and uh, everything is collapsing on itself because they've created some weird machine. We'll talk about that. And hilarity ensues because there's a <laughs> lot of really funny moments. I, I was expecting there, yes. <laughs> a lot of like heavy hearted like speeches, but man, there were some fun moments. Um, so getting it out of the way right away, Mickey's back. I knew you'd be happy. (laughs) And he calls him Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Jack calls him Mickey Mouse. What what did uh, Mickey call Jack? Captain Cheesecake. And he goes, no, that's Captain Beefcake. Beefcake, right. And he's like, and now we're done hugging. (laughs) (laughs) But they love each other. They do. Uh, So that was fantastic to see him. And every time he's come back, he's looked more and more like like this angry guy. Like he's always got a scowl now. Yeah, he's very serious and very focused. He's not that goofy guy we first saw in Series 1. Absolutely. He definitely has a purpose, and he sticks to it, uh, which I loved. We also get to see uh, Jackie. Yeah, I, and I love the two of them together. They're so adorable. They have this great relationship. They do. It, it, uh, towards the end of the episode, I mean, again, we're jumping all over the place, but as they're saying their goodbyes, it almost felt like a little inappropriate, like, 
I guess this is the end of, uh, you know, I guess I won't see you anymore. And you're like, <laughs> what do you mean, Mickey? What, what's been happening? I thought Jackie had, you know, her her husband didn't die in that New Day mention. What, what's going yeah, on Yeah, she's here? still got Pete. She's got Pete in Pete's world. <laughs> right? I was like, what, what's going on here? Uh, but it's just, it, it's so sweet to see them. Uh, and we haven't seen them for a couple of series now. Uh, mm-hmm. So to, to see them and to see her be this badass wielding a gun, she's ready to go. Like she's no longer a stranger to this kind of thing. Uh, it was just kind of cool. I know. Jackie's come a long way, hasn't she? Oh, my gosh. Yes. I mean, they all have. Uh, anybody from series one has definitely gone uh, the distance and then some. Um, mm-hmm. Even Sarah Jane, who, you know, that's who uh, Jackie and Mickey kind of run into. You know, the, everybody was in peril at the end of last episode. And mm-hmm. we didn't really talk about that because uh, I, I figured there'd be more to say once we saw the the second part. But everybody was left in peril. Every single one of them. The Torchwood uh, people, Sarah Jane, everybody was in some sort of straits. And the doctor as, was mid-regeneration, right? I mean. Uh, but as always seems to be the case with the doctor, he, almost immediately things get resolved and then things get worse. Uh, <laughs> and in the case of, uh, you know, Sarah Jane, she's, you know, she runs into these Daleks and then boom, here's Mickey and uh, I just Jackie. her name, Jackie, uh, <laughs> you know, to help her out. And they're like, hey, we know who you are and you talk to our daughter and we're here to help. So uh, amazing. I still don't know much about the uh, the Torchwood people, so I'm sure I'll find out. But I like well, the do idea. You, did you recognize Gwen? The actress who played Gwen, Gwen in the Torchwood. Yeah, one of the Torchwood, the gal in the Torchwood scenes. The yeah, do you the, remember the, 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 the black haired girl? Yes. Do you remember back in series one, Are the Unquiet Dead? About, that's the same Gwen. Yes. Like the, it's the same act. It's the same actress who okay, played Gwyneth. That was gonna and, be my question. Is, is it the same actress or the same character? The same actress, and then when later in the episode, when the Doctor and Rose are talking to her on the computer, and they have that moment, and he says, "Tell me, Gwen Cooper, did your did your family, you know, have they been here a long time?" And she says, "Yeah, since the eighteen hundreds." So she's supposed to be a, a long lost descendant of Gwyneth from the Charles Dickens oh, episode. Oh, okay, because I did make that connection uh, as far as the dialogue. But I thought, is she the same actress? And is she mm-hmm. playing the same character? Eve Miles. That's cool. That, mm-hmm. oh, so she goes. So she transitioned into Torchwood. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But yeah, I, I love the idea that the Torchwood people were saved by some sort of time bubble. That they, they were captured inside themselves, but they were also mm-hmm. kept safe themselves. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. Um but yeah, there's the doctor regenerating. And then uh, I feel a little proud because I don't think anybody really steered me in that direction. You asked me, <laughs> yeah, what you do you think right. is going to happen? And I'm like, I think the hand is going to come into play. And there it is. The doctor like does the little Darth Sidious thing and like points all his <laughs> regeneration energy towards the hand. 
And he's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I feel better now. And and Jack and Rose and Donna, it's just that shot of them like, what just happened? Mm-hmm. Like, what? Huh? And then we finally, finally get the Rose and Doctor reunion. Which after was, that. Oh, uh, I think one of my favorite moments was as the the plot is thickening and the you know uh, Donna is trapped in the TARDIS and and Rose comes up and grabs the doctor grabs his hand. hand. Oh, that was such a sweet moment. That was such a. I know she's been missing that moment. She's been wanting to do that for a very long time, and yeah. we know for a fact. That he has also, that he has definitely been uh, opining for her. So that was such a wonderful way of kind of bringing that together in, you know, in the middle of all this craziness that is happening. You get that moment, yeah. Uh, And I'm glad that that happened because otherwise I think what happens at the end of this episode wouldn't have meant as much. If they mm-hmm. hadn't shared still that moment, if there hadn't been that that exchange right there. Um, and I think there's this really cute moment. I think it's the I wouldn't say the funniest, but one of my favorite moments in Doctor Who period when they're still in the TARDIS and Rose is explaining, you know, that I've been building this traveling machine to try to come back to you. And as she's explaining it, the camera is on the doctor's face. And he makes this expression. It's like a flirty schoolboy, like cheeky. He's so excited and he kind of does this face. And it is just so adorable. I feel like it's the flirtiest the doctor's ever gotten (laughs) with this satisfaction of, yes, my girl was trying to come back to me all this time. And he's just so happy. (laughs) Well, almost like a proud teacher. You know, knowing yeah. that, look, I, I, I put this out into the world uh, and Rose really took up after it. And she, you know, look, uh, didn't it was like some sort of t- uh, like uh, canon thing she mentioned. Yeah, I dimension forget. jumper or something. Yeah, right, the dimension canon or something. Yeah. Um, but just, you know, wonderful, wonderful to see all of that exchange. Uh, and then almost immediately, like, it felt like the threat was just, like, one thing after the other. It was, like, one punch after the other. Uh, mm-hmm. And I mentioned it in last week's episode that I always felt that the doctor was on his back foot. Uh, mm-hmm. That he could just, he never got in front of this issue. He was always sort of catching up to it. He was never on top of anything. And this episode continued that that thread you know the the dalek really got over him this time the there mm-hmm. was nothing uh almost like the the first time for me that the doctor sees a dalek in uh, series one with the ninth uh, generation doctor you know he, there's that moment of like oh my gosh that's a dalek and then the panic and the fear that ensues from realizing how the hell did this thing get away? And, you know, now I have to deal with this incredibly dangerous threat. And here's not just one, but an entire battalion of Daleks Mm -hmm. in, and they're completely like, they are, they have the upper hand every time. 
just when yeah. the doctor thinks he's, uh, you know, he's doing his doctor thing, they enclose or they capture the TARDIS, uh, unbeknownst to them, with uh, Donna inside. Um, you know, like everything the doctor does in this episode almost feels like reactionary rather than preemptive, you know, like, I know what's going on. I know what I'm going to do to fix it. Let's yeah. go do it. This, everything about it felt like, okay, <laughs> what are we going to do? And, and, and that his team, you know, every, every single person that he's touched, at least since the beginning of this series, uh, and even, uh, you know, Sarah Jane or Sarah, um, Sarah Jane Smith is her name, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I, I just wanted to make sure I got it right. But even Sarah Jane, uh, who has been in contact with the doctor before but came back this series, like all of them are making things better for the doctor. It's almost like this time around they are helping him and saving him just as much mm-hmm. as he is saving the rest of them. Yeah, I mean, even you know, Donna's kind of the one that starts all the saving, and she even says, "You need that little bit of human to to actually do this." Because he's like, "Well, why didn't we think of this?" She's like, "Well, you're not human." <laughs> that and to to have it all go back to that because I, as the energy transferred to the hand, I kept thinking, "Okay, so at some point, Bad Wolf is going to come back out." And we're going to see, you know, the, the fire starter looking uh, Rose with her eyes yeah. all angry and, you know, as she did before. Yeah, that would have been handy just to be able to dissolve the Daleks like she did. Right, <laughs> right. Um, so I kept thinking, like, is this how she's going to get the, the time vortex back in her? Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I did not expect that Donna would become... Dr. Donna. Like the Ood said. The Dr. Donna good. Mm-hmm. You know, and all of a sudden as that happened and as the doctor said it, I heard John's voice in my head because that was my expert for that episode. Uh, and he said, yeah, remember Dr. Donna good. <laughs> and I was like, oh, son of a biscuit. It was right there, <laughs> right in front of me. Once again, didn't know what I was looking at. It just happened. Yep. All those breadcrumbs were there. We all warned you. <laughs> I mean, just brilliant. Again, look at what happens when you actually plan these types of things as opposed to when you just make them up. You know, when you yeah. have a plan that starts three years earlier and you start dropping those hints. That's wonderful. That's a great way of doing it. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, just perfect. What I did not see coming was that Donna with like we saw parts of this in this series where the doctor had some of his DNA, you know, stripped and they generated basically an offspring of his, mm-hmm. you know, and he had his daughter. Uh, so is that some thing close to what happened with Donna? I guess that's a good question. Um, Probably that episode was in there to give us the idea that, yeah, the doctor can be, you know, reproduced in some way. 
Um, but you know, of course this doctor, as they call him, the fans call him 10 two or Metacrisis doctor. Um, mm. but you know, this 10 two, he's, he's only got one heart. So he so only he's, has one life. He's going to age the same as Rose. Right. Which uh, that was wonderful. But the, the idea that, you know, Donna absorbs basically all of the doctor and the doctor mm-hmm. absorbs all of Donna. Yeah, he's like half time lord, half human. And you know, just great idea. Uh we've seen the doctor be completely stripped of his time lordness uh mm-hmm. and hide in uh, plain sight as a human. So this is not that. This is the, the like <laughs> I guess that I'd never heard that. Ten two this other doctor. Yeah, that's what the fans call him. <laughs> so he has all of the skills and knowledge that the doctor mm-hmm. has. And all the memories. And all the memories. He just doesn't have the capability of regenerating. Correct. And he only has one heart. And that's the human side of him. Mm-hmm. Is that he'll age and he only has one life and one heart. But still, to to possess all of the knowledge now, mm-hmm. and this is getting uh, these episodes get some really nerdy questions out of my head, uh, and who better to ask than you know Tardis Tidbits herself? <laughs> if he is a doctor, does he see the universe the same way that the real doctor does? Even though he's half human, is he still able to see time as it spans across the universe? The way Ooh, the doctor that's a good question. That's a really good question. We should call up Russell T. Davies and sure. ask him. Hold on, I let mean, me uh, just pull. I think I have yeah, him on he's speed, on speed dial, dial, right? Yeah, he's speed dial three. You know. You know, well, I guess because he has all of the the real doctor's memories, so maybe he does have that ability then. Well, but memories and abilities are different. That's true. And because he's not know, a, a good real question. time lord, uh, you know, getting really nerdy uh, over here. But when when we had the episode with the master, um, mm-hmm. there was this whole idea that the master uh, and the doctor had gazed into the time vortex and that, that somehow that is... Uh, you can be Gallifreyan, but not necessarily a Time Lord. And Time Lords or Gallifreyans that have looked into the Time Vortex and have been exposed to, I guess, that knowledge all at once. That you know, These are people that can process that knowledge all at once. But that implies that the, 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 the act of doing it is what creates it. It's not necessarily the memory of doing it. And mm-hmm. since he is half human, does he possess that ability or does he just remember what the doctor has seen, but he can no longer do it actively? It's um, a good point. I mean, because otherwise that would be, you know, the, the, the fact that there is a second doctor means that, you know, he's we, we joked about it a little bit last week as well, but he's basically a variant yeah. he, you know, he's from the tva he's from the tva and he because he is living 
in this alternate dimension with Rose, that means that this dimension now has a doctor of its own. Mm-hmm. And in theory, that doctor would be able to see the entirety of that universe or that multiverse. Um, mm-hmm. There's so many questions. I mean, that's why so many fans wanted like a spinoff of, you know, of Rose and Tentu's adventures in Pete's world. <laughs> that's I mean, because that that opens it up, right? There's a there's an entire other dimension where things could have uh, happened differently. And now all of a sudden the doctor becoming part of that dimension and being closed off into that dimension could all of a sudden tap into those things and go off and have a, a single lifetime's worth of adventures, but still, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, I mean, can you think of the, like, you know, the doctor at home pouring cereal for breakfast, living an ordinary life. But, <laughs> what, and, what would happen? And Rose did tease him about that in the, uh, mm-hmm. the impossible planet. Impossible planet. Yeah. They had that whole discussion about, you know, well, I guess you're going to just have to get a mortgage. <laughs> be a normal person. <laughs> right. So it, it, I would love to see that. That would be a fantastic, um, but again, what a way to end that that storyline. What a way to I sort know. of leave Rose in a place where she doesn't get what she wants, but she can finally be happy. I know. It almost feels bittersweet, though, because, I mean, yes, it is the doctor and it's the same. He has all the memories, but he's different, but he's the same. Mm-hmm. But she does get you know, a good wrap up to her storyline. She does get happiness, but my heart just breaks for the doctor. Every time I watch this episode, because he doesn't get a happy ending, you know, she may be happy, but he doesn't get her. But that's also the, you know, in this series, we, we got a little bit more of like the, the curse of being a time, the time Lord, Lord, yeah, the burden of the time Lord, knowing that certain points in time are fixed, knowing that, you know, he can change certain things, but he can't always save everybody. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of weight is on his shoulders. Uh, and you know, we've talked about this in the podcast a lot, but, He's over 900 years old. That definitely means he's, you know, he's going to have taken some scars. He's going to have. Oh, (laughs) certainly. There's going to be some emotional issues there that, you know, with 900 years, you hope that he's able to resolve them. Uh, And clearly he's still, you know, functional, but it's still, uh, I, I think it is the curse of the time Lord and the ability to do what he does. That means that he can't get the happy ending that 10 two can. I know. And I just, a, I go ahead. Well, no, I, I just felt like there was a little bit of him realizing that this is as close as he will ever get to getting that happy ending is by allowing this other doctor to get it for him. Because he says, yeah. he is me. He is basically yeah. me. He needs you. That's very me. Right. That was so sweet. I just, it, I think it, it hits me because, 
you know, when they got separated at the end of season two, he was of course pining for her, but I think, you know, in his head, he knew that she was pining for him too. Mm -hmm. But now I think that makes him even sadder because he probably thinks, well, she's not pining for me anymore because she has me, you know? And now, I mean, the, the end of this episode was just sad on top of sad on top of sad. I mean, it literally ends with him in the rain, (laughs) so sad and distraught. And it's going to, you know, we thought Rose leaving affected him before, but losing, as he says, you know, they've all gone back to their other people. The next time you see the doctor in these specials that you'll watch, he's a very, very different person. I mean, the sadness and the loss has changed him a lot. And you will see that going forward. Well, I think that's also one of the things that I've loved about watching the doctor in general is in a lot of these sci-fi type series, we see the heroes keep moving on and it's almost as if nothing has ever happened the next week, Mm -hmm. the next season, the next, everything's fine. You know, they, they, they carry on and they have another set of adventures and they have another romantic tryst or they have another, and I like that, you know, every time, you know, th- there's a little bit of him that changes. Um, mm-hmm. We saw it, you know, with how he responded to Sarah Jane Smith. Yeah. Uh, you know, that he clearly still liked and appreciated. And but to him, that was, you know, lifetimes ago. And to her, mm-hmm. you know, it was, you know, because of the nature of the timely I always get this wrong. Timey, wimey, wibbly, wobbly. Timey, wimey, wibbly, wobbly. Uh, Because of the nature of just his life and how he goes from one side to the other uh, and one time to the other, he, you know, he's experiencing things in in a different order. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I I think one of the the most wonderful realizations uh, and great episodes from the series was uh, the the forest of the dead, mm-hmm. where we get to see the end of a relationship, the end of uh, him something and River. That clearly is going to be very meaningful to him, and and he has no idea to River, and he has no idea because it's the beginning. So we get mm-hmm. to see the end before we get to see the the middle. Yeah. And it's the the end and the beginning, which just perfectly encapsulates, you know, the, the life that this creature has, the life that, you know, the doctor has. Um, and I don't I don't mean to make him sound like, you know, a creature, but he is not human and mm-hmm. he has the capacity to feel a lot of the human emotions. But. I mean, that's a lot of loss that he has to process. That's a lot of grief that he has to process. That's a lot of everything. Mm-hmm. Right? So being able to see ev- all of these things in his head and being able... And then you see him standing there in the TARDIS and he's looking at Donna. And Donna yeah. is clearly having a grand old time, but she's having a hard time processing it. It's yeah, because she, it, she it, can't handle it. Yeah, it's overwhelming her circuitry, you know. And it's like Rose having all of, you know, the time energy in her. She couldn't survive right. with it in, in the end of series one. It's the same thing. So to save her, he has to 
<sighs> Poor Donna. And, and, and that, I, that one, that one really, I mean, it hurts, but it doesn't hurt because again, you like the, it hurts the doctor and that's what bothered yeah. me, but it doesn't hurt Donna because she's blissfully unaware uh, yeah. and she's going to move on. And we've seen that, you know, while she'll return to being sort of that, you know, aloof version of herself, we see that there is all this capacity for just some great empathy and, and a wonderful person, that she can be a wonderful person. Her grandfather, uh, Wilfred, says that. I love She Will. was better oh. with you. She was better yeah. because of you. Um, so I, I think what I hope for her is that while she is completely blissfully unaware and that her mom will and her grandfather will, you know, keep her from knowing the truth so that she doesn't, you know, burn up like the doctor said mm-hmm. that they will steer her towards, you know, and because the doctor even says that to uh, to Donna's moms, like, tell her that she is good. Tell her mm-hmm. that she matters. Uh, so even in the sacrifice of having to give up his traveling companion, he's doing the best thing for her. Oh, absolutely. And like you said, it's worse for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, now at first he's lost Rose again. Now he's lost his best friend mm-hmm. who's not even going to remember all the adventures they had or, you know, the fact that she literally saved the universe. Mm-hmm. Donna Noble, the most important woman in all creation. And I, I just love Wilf. He's so sweet. You know, he says, I'll, I'll look up on the stars on her behalf, you know, and think of you. He's so sweet. Wilf is mm-hmm. such a good character. Well, he, he absolutely stepped up. And filled in the void. You know, we we talked about it. Uh, you mentioned it in uh, in one of your tidbits about we. She did have an actor playing her father. He was going mm. to be back, and then passed the away. actor passed away. So they they made Wilford the sort of surrogate father, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it worked out because it the kind of relationship that he has with her is better as the grandfather to granddaughter relationship than it would be a father to daughter relationship. Um, Absolutely. You know, it, it just, it works beautifully. Uh, And while I'm sad that the amazing Donna that grew through this series uh, is back to the sort of, (laughs) like I said, the, the less enlightened and more aloof version of herself. Yeah. I love that the doctor basically left the kernels in there for her life to really be something closer to what it should be, uh, having been in contact with the doctor. Because we, we haven't really said anything about Martha, but Martha, you know, once again comes in clutch in this episode. Yeah. yeah, Martha's awesome. Mm-hmm. She gets a lot of flack sometimes. I don't know why. I love her, but she is awesome. She, I mean, she was instrumental in the doctor being able to thwart the master. 
Mm-hmm. And now, you know, she was instrumental in this whole ordeal. Yes, she was not the most important woman in the universe, but she still had all sorts of, you know, kick-ass moments. And we know, because we've seen her now, we know that she's going to get by without the doctor, that she's been mm-hmm. able to take the experience, learn from it, like a rela- like anybody that goes through a positive relationship but realizes that it has to end. You know, she, she was changed by it. She appreciates any time she mm-hmm. gets sucked back into it. But the person she became is a person that she seems genuinely happy to be. And, you know, you, we even see her mom with her and we see her, yeah. you know, do the thing where she's like, you stay here. I'm going to go save the world. And her mom's <laughs> yeah. like still, you know, a little leery, but like she understands that's my daughter. And she's absolutely she's not using hyperbole. She is going to go save the world. Yeah. I mean, think how much she's changed since we first saw her. I mean, at the end of this episode, when she says goodbye to the doctor, she there's no tears. There's no hugging goodbye, farewell. She's like, all right, see you later. Bye. <clears throat> well, she's yeah. really grown. Yeah, because she was she was always more mature than Rose yeah. was. And her relationship with the doctor uh, was much more one sided. Um, but she also she she took the right messages. She she picked mm-hmm. up on the right themes of the doctor's adventures and then put those to good use in her life and and you know she came back a much stronger woman knowing that she could do so much more because she did do so much more just not in front of her peers or her uh her parents so i loved how you know martha's conclusion is you know as it should be uh, this very matter of fact like yep you go get him kid because you're gonna <laughs> yeah I mean, I think you should watch the Doctor Who spinoff. Just saying. The Doctor Who spinoff. Torchwood. Torchwood. Yeah. Uh, I, we, you we, may want to watch it. Just saying if you like the person we were just talking about. Sure. We, well, I mean, we mentioned <laughs> I will definitely be touching on it at some point. So I, I look forward to that. Um, but, you know, even Jack. Jack's, you know, from the the scoundrel sort of how to make a buck guy to Mm -hmm. clearly somebody that is got a team around him and is he's a leader doing, you know, uh, clearly important things. Uh, you know, he's, he's been changed by the doctor as well. Uh, presumably long, you know, very early in his, on his way to becoming the face of Bo. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. They definitely were all changed by him. Um, I have this really cool book. It's a, a Doctor Who source book that the BBC put out. And there's a whole section in there about Rose and about how she was changed. And there was this quote that I thought was really perfect. It really well describes the situation. It says, the early Rose loves what she does and embraces the universe with the same open hearted enthusiasm and mild arrogance that the doctor does. Rose at the end is far calmer, far, far more focused and far more dangerous. She's got a sense of the strategies needed to survive in his world and has no problem both giving orders and withholding answers. She's becoming exactly what the doctor is, a player of games, a woman thinking four steps ahead who may or may not, who may not like sacrificing people for a greater good, but will do it if she has to. Mm -hmm. 
And I thought that was so perfect the way that that describes her and keep that in mind. Cause that, you know, may happen again with the future doctor and a future companion. Mm-hmm. Well, she, I, I, I really loved how this kind of felt like it was all wrapped up in a bow. I loved yeah. how uh, it, it puts the doctor back at square one at the end of this. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like he was at the beginning of series one, where he's adventuring on his own. He's doing the things. He's, you know, trying to save the earth from these plastic people. But <laughs> he is, you know, by himself. And, uh, you know, I hate that it had to be reset uh, or that it, you know, that, there, that, the, that the characters, I'm sure the characters will continue on, but... Like there, I don't know. There's something just so good about the fact that this was all planned through as the mm-hmm. the series was taking shape. These plans came through. Uh, things were modified or changed, uh, like we discussed last week when uh, Donna's character went from just being the runaway bride to actually becoming a companion. Mm-hmm. It just, you know. I appreciate good storytelling and this felt like the conclusion of a, of a grander series of stories that had been told using the, the, the doctor as a, as a backdrop. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, while it was sad to see all of his friends kind of scattered to the four winds, I know that this is not the end for the doctor. This is just the end of that particular chapter uh, in you know, an incredibly long life. Yeah, very true. Hmm. So anything that I miss that's going to come back in some way, shape or form, I have a feeling that the Daleks, uh, you know, drop some stuff that will probably come back to. Yeah, I feel like no matter how they defeat the Daleks, they always come back, you know. Um, They're the cockroaches of the universe. Right. there, the moment when uh, it's kind of revealed that Dalek Khan was the one manipulating this the whole time and he foresaw the end of the Daleks and, you know, what they would become. And he says, I can't remember exactly how he words it, but he says something like, and I said no more. Like to say no more of this destruction and, and all of that. Um, remember that phrase, no more mm-hmm. in relation to that. Um, it's not going to come back next season or the season after that or the season after that, but it's going to come back in a big way. That phrase, no more. Um, trying to think, Oh, okay. The idea of the doctor doing like that half regeneration, you know, Mm -hmm. he, he started it. It was a regeneration, but then, you know, he put the rest of it into the hand you know, a time Lord only gets 12 regenerations. So he's still the 10th doctor, but he used that energy up. So how many regenerations does he have left? That's an issue that's going to come up in the future Mm -hmm. that you'll want to remember. Okay. So just something to keep in mind. Um, I think that was the only thing other than some tidbits. If you're ready for some TARDIS well, let's tidbits. Let's do some TARDIS tidbits. I love that. Okay. <laughs> I have a lot for this one, if you couldn't tell already. Oh, that, well, it, 
it, it's a big, it's a big episode. episode. Yeah. It is. Um, this is the first time that the TARDIS is piloted by its optimum number of pilots, which is six. And oh. I love how he tells Jackie. He's like, no, Jackie, just don't. don't, don't. <laughs> um, but I don't remember what episode we were doing, but it was earlier this year, I think. And I told you there was a moment that I had always wanted and I, I was hoping it would happen. And then it ended up happening in this in the end. And it was that scene with them all around the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking that would be such a cool scene to have all of them at the TARDIS console all together, all the companions. It was me just dreaming wish fulfillment. And, you know, mm-hmm. good old Russell T. Davies did it. That's awesome. Um, the, you know, the famous scene on the beach when they're back on Bad Wolf Bay. That conversation that they have originally in the first draft of the script, part of that was going to happen on the Dalek crucible ship, Mm. which I think is very strange. I'm glad they changed it. But Rose said, so how is that sentence going to end? And the doctor said, which one? She goes, the one that started with Rose Tyler. And the doctor says, "Uh, it's cold out. And she goes, seriously. And he says, does it need saying? She says, yes. And then Davros chimes in and says, such intimacy with your companions, Doctor, so different from the man I once knew. Which I'm really glad they changed that because they didn't need to have that moment on the Dalek ship. (laughs) In front of Davros, yeah. Yeah, I think that's very strange. I'm glad they changed that. Um, If you remember in the, the, the end of Series 2 and the end of Series 3, there was always this big cliffhanger, you know, the Titanic broke through or mm-hmm. Donna showed up at the runaway bride and the doctor would go, what, what? Mm-hmm. And that was always how they ended. Well, this episode was supposed to end in the same way. And it was supposed to end with a Cyberman just floating on the TARDIS and him going, what, what? But they cut it because they said it just felt inappropriate, you know, after such sadness mm-hmm. to have him be startled. They wanted to just leave it with him super sad. Mm. So I'm, I'm glad they cut that too. Cause I think that would have been a little too much. Um, this is actually, if you get the DVD and watch the deleted scenes, the scene on the beach was extended and the doctor gives 10 to a piece of coral from the TARDIS. He like tosses it at him and tells him to grow his own TARDIS. Hmm. And they ultimately cut it because they said, Russell T. Davis was like, wait, it can't be that easy just to grow your own TARDIS. You know, this is not like a Chia pet where you just add water and it, you know, grows. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it did make it all the way to filming. So if you ever look, I'm sure it's on YouTube. So the mm-hmm. scene does exist, but they cut it. Um, and talking about the handholding, when they're on that beach together and the doctor, Ten Two grabs her hand he grabs her hand with his right hand, which is the only part of the real doctor that still exists. I thought that was so sweet. Oh, so, so sweet. The fighting like, hand. Oh, <laughs> I know. Um, in the, when they're showing the flashes of all the people that died for the doctor, mm. um, fans have argued that because the only one with sound is Jenny, when she dies and you hear the gunshot, she's mm. the only one that has sound played. And they said, this must mean that, you know, this is the one that affected him the most. 
because purposely that's the only one that has sound played with it, mm. which wa- watching it back, I thought, Oh, that's interesting. Um, and did you notice that 10, two was pretty much wearing the same thing as Rose, mm-hmm. a blue jacket with the dark pink. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cute. And the one from last week that I didn't say, cause I didn't want to spoil anything, but the Osterhagen key, Osterhagen, if you rearrange the letters, it's earth's gone. Mm. Uh, which I never realized, uh, 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 but if, if you rearrange the letters, it's earth's gone. Earth's gone. Jeez. <laughs> Russell. <laughs> uh, that guy spends uh, that good on him. That was great. Yeah. Just wait for Moffat. He's going to spin something that you're when it, when it's finally revealed, you're going to just, What? Like, how did I not see this coming for two seasons? (laughs) Well, some of the Moffat episodes have been quite fun, uh, especially the the ones from this series. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, they they did feel different, uh, Mm -hmm. which I appreciated, but um, I, I... I liked where I liked with that where, where that was going. I liked where mm-hmm. that story was going. So I'm looking forward to it. But we've got some Christmas specials uh, in the way yeah. uh, in the middle. So thank you so much for joining me. I know you were super excited to get to this point. Uh, and I kind of, you know, I was really excited. And now I'm like, I'm a little bummed. But unlike everybody else, I get to immediately go into next week and watch another episode. <laughs> so yeah, you you know, do. the advantage of doing this uh, the way I'm doing it now is uh, currently very little waiting to go from one doctor to the other or from one adventure to the other. And that's where we're going. So thank you so much for joining me for this episode, Ashley. I was so happy to be here. And thank you, dear listener, as always, for joining me as part of uh, this exciting journey that we're going through and that we finally made it to the end of Series 4. Can you believe it? In a single year, we've watched four different series of Doctor Who, and we've. I've, I feel like I, I've fallen in love with this show. I know the first series I kept saying, I can't fall in love with it anymore. And then the next episode, well, I I did. And now I'm further in love. I really, uh, I've grown so much. Uh, I've grown to love this uh, show so much. And I use so much of the show in my own personal life and how I approach things, how I talk to people, how I do things. So thank you for being a part of this journey with me. Uh, if you want to support the show, head on over to firsttimelord.com. You can leave comments on this current episode or any of our previous episodes. And I'd love to see you in the comments. Tell me how the show has affected you so far. Series four, where are you at? Uh, or where were you at on your journey when you got to this point? I'd love to hear that from you. If you want to support the show financially, we've got a merch shop that can be found at firsttimelord.com, or you can click on the link that will take you to the Patreon page, or search for me, Daniel Levane, on Patreon, and you can become a subscriber that way. Uh, All support is greatly appreciated, but mostly just share this episode and the entire podcast with somebody that you think would appreciate Doctor Who the way I've basically come to love Doctor Who. But... 
I'm out of time. I better head back into my TARDIS alone this week, I guess, and get ready for the next adventure. So see everybody next week. <laughs>